Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome once again to Dave and Marlo, episode four, here at Blazers Edge, where we are going to give you a heavy dose of all things Trailblazers, even though it was a light week schedule-wise. I am Dave Deckard, here with Marlo Ferguson, Jr. Marlo, we have a win against the Houston Rockets. We have a loss to the Memphis Grizzlies. Did any of that change your assessment, or, or how do you feel about the Blazers right now? Um, I wouldn't say so. I mean, not, not to our own horn, but I think we, we sort of, you know, predicted the one-on-one record. Uh, game at home against Houston, a game at home against Memphis. Uh, most people, you you would say, without Damian Lillard, hey, if we can split those and go one and one, I think you can live with the results. Um, and, and so the Blazers, they left themselves in, in a good position. And I think more than anything else, they showed how greedy they were, even in a loss. Um, and and Chauncey Billups kind of talked about this a little bit, just the fact that they were so competitive. You know, you kind of live with that. Um, and there are some things they can clean up, obviously, the turnovers. But the one and one split, I think you live with that and uh, got a little bit of goodwill going into the road trip. Now, you brought up an interesting point. How are they looking without Lillard? What's your impressions of these games that they played without him? Well, I think what you notice is that it's been a game of runs, especially in that Memphis game. Uh, this, this offense kind of stagnates sometimes, but they also have times where they look to be in sync. And I thought that uh, game against Houston was the, the perfect, the exact thing that you needed, exactly what Dr. ordered against uh, without Damian Lillard, a team that doesn't really play defense, so you can get some confidence, get some momentum. Um, and there, there are times where they look, they look really good. Like I think Anthony Simons, um, he looked really sharp, especially in that first game against Houston. Uh, kind of maneuvered the pick and roll very well. They ran one against the uh, Rockets two three, 
he ran a pick and roll with Nurkic, kind of got in the middle of that defense and uh, was able to find Winslow. So I thought he had some nice, some nice uh, strides there as a playmaker. Uh, this team does have offensive talent, so just looking at it like that, I think you, you're pleased with the results here so far. A couple things struck me immediately. One was, I think Anthony Simons has done a pretty good job in picking his spots and distributing the ball and letting other people shine. Uh, he, you know, obviously he has a few years under his belt. He's not a rookie. This is his first year in this prominent role, uh, give or take, you know, quarter of a season last year. But the temptation has got to be strong if Lillard goes down for Ant to say, I'm Dame. And when that when that happens, it's just like, okay, it's not even, you, you know how like uh, Dana Carvey started to do the George Bush impression on Saturday Night Live, mm, wouldn't be prudent and all that, right? And then ever <laughs> after, the impressionists were no longer doing an impression of George Bush, they were doing an impression of Dana Carvey doing George Bush, right? Okay. That, that's what people do when they try to duplicate other players. Like, I'm Dame. Well, you're not really doing Dame. You're doing your impression of Dame, which usually ends up being too much and in some of the wrong ways. Simons has not done that. He has been assertive, especially in, you know, fourth quarter of that Memphis game, but also, you know, picking his spots. But he's also allowed the ball to move. He has not dominated the offense. Really impressed with that. The flip side of that is I thought that Memphis did a really good job keying on him until that fourth quarter. They knew where they needed to pinch down in order to create a bottleneck in Portland's offense. And they took Portland out of their offense for quite a while there. When when the three-pointer started to fall in the fourth period, it opened up again. But I thought that the, the team showed some vulnerability there when Memphis bore down on Simons. Yeah, they really looked very threatened in that fourth quarter, especially at the beginning of it. And it's funny you mentioned that because um, in, in Simon's press conference after the game, he kind of talked about he wanted to work on that, uh, picking his spots a little bit more aggressively, uh, getting into that flow faster. So uh, the fact that he's able to recognize that he may have done that well, but also that there's areas he can improve upon is, is I think, inspiring. And the Blazers, I think, when they when they find a way to manage the, the turnovers, it's going to be a different. It's going to be a different team. It's just that's been the. It's almost like a twelve-year-old babysitting an eight-year-old. It's like it's just there's no no control, no control anywhere. Everybody's kind of kind of out of sync. So when they get that figured out, I think we're going to see a different uh, Blazers group. And that Simons is, is recognizing that I think is, is inspiring for the future. Now they may get that figured out, but part of that, I mean, obviously we're assuming some percentage of it is familiarity, right? I mean, they're still they're eight games into a, a brand new thing. Okay, it's going to take a while. I think part of it's also personnel, though. I mean, Yusuf Nurkic, when he handles the ball, is kind of a turnover waiting to happen. Now, he also does a lot of good things, but you can flip a coin what's going to happen with him, and I don't think that's ever going out of his game. Josh Hart is opportunist, but he's not really a creator off the dribble by himself. And if he gets stuck with the ball, it's not guaranteed that good things are going to happen. You could say the same thing about Jeremy Grant. We don't know about Shaden Sharp yet, but he's not in a position to change that story, which leaves Simons, right? If Lillard's not there, that leaves Anthony Simons to be the moderator, controller, distributor, and the one guy who can always get his shot off the dribble smartly. That's a lot to put on him because he may not be exactly mistake-free right now either. So I think some of that even though they get familiar with each other, I think some of that, it may be the lack of a secondary ball handler and playmaker uh, that's just not on the roster right now. Yeah, and I think a lot of it just comes down to just simplifying things. 
Uh, you look at the, the press conferences, the, the word that Chauncey Billups always uses is, is connected. But the second word he always likes to use is the home run. And uh, he and Nurkic both brought this up. Blazers are always trying to make the home run play as opposed to just keeping it simple, uh, making the right pass. And I think some of this has to do with the, the overall pace they play at, too. Like, they're, when they get stops, it's breakneck speed. They're going the other way. They're, they're making plays happen. So uh, I think you kind of have to live with some of the turnovers and some of the aggressiveness that comes with that because when it goes well, we love it. So um, it's just the, the, the matter of just calming it down, being a little bit more controlled. And I think that as they develop more chemistry and, and, and gather a stronger rapport, you know, we'll see those things start to, start to adjust for the better. Yeah, have you noticed that? Like, watch them when they get a defensive rebound. Now, yes. the classic Blazers is, you know, you get it to the point guard at the angle. The point guard is supposed to be out a little past the three-point arc by the sideline. So you have a nice angled pass from the bucket to your offense. And then often with the Blazers, the point guard would walk it up the floor. Now they grab it, they're spinning, and they're looking up the floor to see if anybody's streaking down, right? And you can see the energy and you can see the attention of the rebounders on that. It, that's a night and day change. But with night and day changes come miscues, like you said. You know, it's, 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 it's part and parcel of trying to play a new way. Uh, and obviously, the faster you go, the more potential you have for turnovers as well. I actually find it slightly more disturbing. You say keep it simple, but there have been plays late in the game where smart opponents, I mean, Miami did it, Memphis definitely did it, uh, are able to key in on where the Blazers want to go. The first pass usually gives a clue. And then as long as the defense can bottle up whoever gets that first pass with one defender, they're shutting off the angles like that. Now, I don't think that necessarily means more complexity, but I think there's better timing. And also probably just, I don't know, they, it's just, they need a couple more options. Now, I'm not talking about scoring options, they have those, but play development options is going to help because I think I, I get to the sense that if they run into a really good defensive team or a playoffs caliber team playing at a playoffs level, the offense is not going to look as good as it does right now. Yeah, and a great defense will sniff that out really quickly. So I'm um, I'm excited to see how it, how it turns out, especially as you know we learn more about this Blazers team because of the fact that you know they're going to be on the scouting report. And I think that uh, Lamar Hurt made a great point about that uh, during the Blazers broadcast against the Houston Rockets. Uh, Shaden Sharp is becoming a, a fantastic cutter. Every game he he makes a play where he sneaks into the lane, sneaks into the middle, and brings the house down. And uh, if you notice, they had one possession where the Rockets they kind of kind of keyed in on that, and they they brought multiple guys over. Uh, and they took they both took sharp and that led to a dunk for Nurkic. Now that's something you can do against the Rockets, but it's not something that you know you're going to be able to do against the Heat, the Grizzlies. So uh, we're going to learn a lot about this team during this six game road trip where they've got Phoenix. You know they got a couple of different playoff teams, so they think they got Miami again too. So they'll be able to kind of see what they did wrong there and see if they can fix that. And all of this is just a litmus test for going uh, going forward. So I'm excited to see how that works out. Yeah, uh, we'll get to the road trip in a second, but I want to pick up on what you said. So Shaden Sharp might be the one player on the roster besides Lillard. Obviously, Lillard returning changes things because now you got two ball handlers. But Shaden Sharp is the one who has a chance to break that bottleneck. Now, not soon, but you can see a little bit. It's more than just the dunking why Chauncey is playing him, I think. Because when you look at this lineup, this lineup needs an injection of Sharp right? Because he is the playmaker. He is the athlete. He can create chaos. He can bend the defense. And then all of a sudden, as you say, it opens up for other uh, people. Now, Houston, he looked fantastic. As you say, the Rockets don't play any defense. Memphis, he had a really tough time uh, 
What was what did you see from Sharp against Memphis? Anything in particular? I mean, it's a two point outing in twenty four minutes, I believe. Uh, it's like someone switched the light switch off. What happened there? Look kind of look kind of similar to what we've kind of seen in the past, where I think that he's such a such a controlled player, where his aggression is is, is always controlled. Doesn't feel like he's forcing anything, but he takes a lot of different a lot of difficult shots that I think that you know the average player it's kind of difficult to even get to those shots. So it's more of a miss or make kind of thing right now. And uh, just looking at that, that Rockets game, it's just a, I don't know. Some some days some days it goes in, some days it doesn't. But he's able to impact the game in so many different ways outside of that. And I just I look forward to seeing how that's going to continue to progress for him. Yeah, I think if I had to describe Shaden right now, it would be he is nine and a half steps from the 10 step play. You know what I mean? I don't mean physical steps, but he's like, he's still, there's a half of something that's not getting him quite as open as he needs to be. And when he figures out that little angle, that little millisecond adjustment, he's going to be a lot farther open after his moves and the shots are going to go in more. But the other thing is we don't necessarily know that that's going to follow. We need to see him hit with some consistency on the move. Uh, before we can guarantee that. But I think that first you have to clear up the move. You have to clear up the angle and the footwork. And when those things happen, I think he has a chance to hit almost any shot he wants. So that's super exciting. Uh, So Phoenix, back-to-back coming up. As you say, Miami. Uh, What are your concerns going there in the first three games? What do you look forward to happening there? Um, I I just wonder how this team is going to react to Like, if you look at the first Phoenix game... uh, they they almost didn't crack 40 in the first half. So the half-court offense is still sort of an issue. If it weren't for Damian Lillard and his heroics, uh, I don't know off the top of my head, I think he had maybe 28, 29 points in that first half. So if it weren't for his heroics, man, that first half would have looked a lot different. And uh, Phoenix is a team that's going to slow it down. They're going to be very methodical with their shots. And uh, when you make shots, it, it's tougher to kind of get out into the fast break, get out in transition. So uh, I look forward to seeing how they're going to deal with that. And Phoenix, they have the shooters that can – you know, Devin Booker, you got your Cam Johnson, Cameron Payne, guys like that. And this is a championship group. You know, they 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 strode in the preseason, but they're still a, a 64-win team at the end of the day. So uh, they're going to be a great challenge for, for Portland, and it'll be a good round two and round three coming up soon. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Yeah, and and Phoenix is playing well. I mean, their loss was to Portland, so and that was close. So, yeah, uh, splitting this in Phoenix, I think, would go a long way toward relieving some of the pressure because you come off you come off your homestand with a loss, which is not surprising, not the end of the world at all. It's it's fine, but if you then look at two straight losses to the Suns, then you got the Miami Heat. And then you got the Hornets. That that should be, you know, that might be the most manageable one. But you're still on the road. And then, by the way, okay, first of all, you, you just came off a game with the Heat. You got one day rest. You got the Hornets. You got no days rest. And then you got the Pelicans, right? And then you finally get, you get a Friday. And then you got the Mavericks. 
So, sorry, I was confusing. I didn't do that well. But two games against the Suns back-to-back. Then you got the Heat, and then you got the Hornets and Pelicans back-to-back. And then you got the Mavericks before you come home. The Blazers could conceivably give back everything they earned in this early season winning streak between now and November 12th. It's going to be tough. Six games in, in nine days, too. So that's that's that break that they had. It could be a it could be a blessing in disguise, or it could be something that plays into their demise at the end of the day. Um, and and I think the end of that trip is going to be really interesting with with the Pelicans coming to town. You know, they, you know they're going to run. And this is with the Blazers. I remember somebody saying they were wondering if this team could play with that that level of aggressiveness they have every single night. And doing that on on a six game in nine days is is, is going to be tough. So all of that. I think it's it's really good that they got off to the start that they did, so they can give themselves a little bit of breathing room, a little bit of a, a cushion. But there's definitely a realistic chance that they can go into this two and four, you know, yeah, kind of play themselves out of what they started with. Well, and the Hornets are the worst game of that trip, or easiest game, I should say, and they're they're 500 right now as we speak. I mean, not exactly; they're three and five, but they're within one game of 500. Uh, this is a rough, rough trip. I mean, I guess the Mavericks have not been playing really well, but do you really want to, I mean, we got Luka Doncic out there. Uh, I don't want to say that's an easy game. So I, I'm struggling to see where they're going to continue the winning streak or, or the winning ways. I guess you hope that you just you win a couple and you come out of it above 500. And then you can start to recollect that edge again. And it's likely that LaMelo Ball's back for that uh, that Hornets game. He hasn't played this year, but he's returning from his ankle injury. He's recovering from that. I think that the, the biggest thing maybe is just to get off on a, on a hot note. They can come out and get that first one against Phoenix, get themselves a little bit of momentum. I think the worst thing you can have in the middle of a long road trip is, is starting off 0-2, 0-3. And then you're looking back home and this is – it's tough. And then the, the, the tough thing is that they have to end the month on a similar thing where they, they play, what is it, five out of six on the road again to end November. So it's a brutal stretch. But I think they they put themselves in a position where they can they respect it every night. And that competitiveness is going to give you a chance to win a lot of these games. So right. feeling bullish, but not too, not too optimistic just yet about it. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, realistically, it would be okay if they got out of their first 20, 10 and 10. That's that's a lot better than was hoped preseason, right? So I think that should be about the benchmark. If you're above 500, you're golden. If you're at 500, you're okay. If you're close to 500, you're probably still good. So they have some room to play with here. But again, how quickly it could disappear. Uh, look, after Dallas, they've got a little bit. I mean, they got the Spurs at home. That should be winnable, even though the Spurs are playing well, right? You got the Nets who are playing badly. You got the Jazz, another team that's playing well, but <laughs> you should be able to beat on paper. So you got some hope for that homestand to take a breath. But then you got the Bucks and the Cavaliers on the road. You got the Knicks and Nets, but then you got the Clippers, the Lakers. So, I mean, if they can, I guess what I'm trying to say is if they can get past this road trip without getting massacred, there's a reasonable expectation that they come out of this looking okay after the first you know month and a half of the season, and and that's going to be a win for Portland. Yeah, it's, it's tough to play the long game. It's tough to play the game where you're trying to look ahead, you know, because you never know how it's going to turn out. I don't think anybody would have penciled the Utah Jazz at the start of the year as a as a difficult game. 
But even that one's not super winnable. I mean, it's not like you can't pencil that in as an automatic W at this point in time. And uh, we talked about it a little bit before. At the start of the year, they they were uh, slated to have the, the second most difficult schedule outside of the San Antonio Spurs over their first 20. So the fact that they're five and two is a, is a, is a welcome sign. We know Damon Lillard's coming back soon. Uh, Gary Payton, Gary Payton second's coming back soon. Trinity and Watford's coming back soon. So they've got some, some reinforcements coming. Uh, if they can just stay healthy, stay competitive, and, and get themselves a shot, I think we'll look at this team and we'll, we'll be pleased going into December. So you mentioned uh, Gary Payton. He's suspected to be coming back. Uh, they think after this road trip is the latest news, so per- perhaps against San Antonio and then Brooklyn. Uh, what kind of difference do you expect him to make? Well, I think most of us will look at uh, how the Blazers have played on defense uh, on defense uh, over the last few weeks, and we're, we're kind of pleased with it, especially based on what we've seen in the preseason, uh, what we've seen you know, last year. So kind of inspired by that. And now you're just adding another guy to that that's going to be able to add uh, just extra defense, extra intensity. Uh, last year, Gary Payton, uh, Gary Payton II was a guy that uh, forced more steals than anybody in the league other than Frank Filikina in terms of, you know, steals per 100 possessions. So you got a guy that, that's going to be in the passing lanes. And, you know, we talked a little bit about the Blazers' zone defense, how to keep a really athletic guy at the top of that zone. So that's going to help them to be able to get out in transition, force more turnovers. Um, and it's just it's added money. He's going to be able to add more to this team. Yeah, I mean, we saw Josh Hart struggle against Memphis. He wasn't himself. I don't know how much of that was the concussion, how much was the defense, how much was just random. But the Blazers are not the same without him. And I think Peyton adds an extra layer of insulation, at least on defense. And if Hart is struggling, uh, obviously I think Nasir Little is is going to do better, and I expect him to eventually absorb those minutes. But for now, you have a real veteran in Peyton who knows what he's doing and can can give you some insulation there. So I, I think that's to the good. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, does Nasir Little go to power forward then? I don't think you can, like, not play him. And obviously, you can't take Hart out. So that'll be interesting to see what happens. But uh, I'm looking forward. It's a good problem to have. Um let me ask you this. Has anyone surprised you this early in the season? If you had to name at least one player, you go, wow, that's a surprise uh, to the positive. Who would that be? I think with the record, I think everybody's kind of exceeded expectations in their own way. But one guy that, that really kind of stands out to me would be, and this may be a, a more of a, a cliche answer, but I'm going to go with Satan Sharp. I think that when they, when they drafted him, the, the expectation was that it would take him a little bit of time. And I was able to write about this a little bit uh, based on what Sean Hyken of the Rose, Rose Garden Report had brought out, just saying that he's been able to exceed expectations and, and just how quickly he's picking up on different schemes and uh, different things in practice. And I just think that anybody that expected him to come in this quickly and, you know, adjust himself and, and just get himself absorbed into the NBA, NBA stratosphere like this, they'd be kind of lying because it's just, we weren't expecting him to be this good this early. So it's been a welcome sign to see that for sure. Yeah, I mean, Sharp is a great answer. Uh, I would say also for me, just Dame. Seeing Dame playing that well, I think everybody expected him to come back. But, you know, 31 points a game is a lot of points per game. And the fact that he's been, look, has he been rusty? Sure. But even rusty, he's dominating. And it's not like other teams aren't keying on him. And he's still been able to do that. And by the way, almost everybody else has looked good alongside him. It's not Dame or everybody. So I don't think you could have asked for more from him. And I think, 
I'm not surprised that he's looking good, but that he's looking that good is is remarkable. Uh, any disappointments so far this season? Um, there's there's really nobody that's disappointed me to this point. I think that over the first week or so, maybe over the first week, I think that we may have looked at uh, Yusuf Nurkic's numbers and, and his production and thought that, hey, he should have been a little bit better here or there. But he's really come along over the last week or so. Uh, the post has been a little bit better. He's probably wishing he played against Alperen Singing every night because he just he destroyed that matchup. Uh, he's looked really good out of the mid post, the low post, uh, facilitating. So just different things like that. And even the three-point shot looked, looked good against Memphis. He had a couple early. So uh, he would be the, the guy that I would, would say at the beginning of the season. He was kind of disappointing. But uh, as of late, he's, he's, he's looked rock solid. Well, I mean, I think he's rounded into shape a little bit more, at least when I look at him. And I hate saying things like that because it's judgmental, but he was, <laughs> he was moving a little bit more labored and slower at the beginning of the season. And I think that uh, he's more brisk now, but also, I mean, it's something that we said at the beginning of the year, how are the Blazers going to use him? And there wasn't a really steady, like they were taking care of everything else first and now, especially with Dame down, I think Nurkic has had more of a role. And he's he's been an outlet, but he's also been a conduit. And when he rebounds the ball, he has something to do with it. They haven't been forcing it into him in the post and trying to use him in mismatches, except when the opponent, opposing center has been small. And that, I mean, against Houston, he just tore them up. And that was smart use of him, judicious use of his uh, post game. And I think if if you can do that, I think that you're going to see the best out of Nurk. It's when he gets in situations where he's expected to do too much in too many places against opposition that is too big that you begin to see his drawbacks come out. I think that's very well said. Um, I, I, I've been kind of surprised. You look at the Miami game. I thought that maybe they could have taken better advantage of those those mismatches that they did. Like I remember they brought in uh, Nikola Jovic, their uh, rookie, and that was his first game, and they were able to get switches with with uh, Nurkic on him, and they just couldn't take advantage. But it worked out a lot better in, in the Rockets game. And at the beginning of the year, you know, you look at the, the pace that the Blazers were tending to play with, with Hart and Lillard and Simons and those guys, just flying out in transition. You kind of worried, you kind of wondered how Nurkic would fit into that, um, and so. Uh, it's been it's been better over the last couple of weeks, so you're feeling a little bit more excited about that than you were at the beginning of the year for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, I think it's fair to say that other than Lillard being absent, the Blazers are firing on almost all cylinders. I mean, the timing isn't right; like the, 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 the timing belt needs to be adjusted. But they're there. Would you agree? I would say so. Like I said, if you had told me they were going to be five and two at this point in the year, I'd have, I'd, I'd thought that they made a big trade or something. Like this is this is fantastic to see. Uh, I think we'll learn a lot about this team over this six game road trip. And even if they don't win every game, or even if they don't get a winning record over the six game road trip, uh, they've built a nice foundation, and we kind of know what to expect from them every night. You know, they're going to play with a lot of a lot of grit, a lot of intensity, uh, and they they look to be a, a very fun Western Conference postseason contender. So. That's what you want to be saying at this time of year. And it's very optimistic about it right now. It's a fantastic point. I think the only thing you don't want to see on this road trip, wins and losses aside, is them kind of giving up. Them getting bowled over by a wave and surrendering and starting to look at each other instead of look at the opponent. <laughs> and 
the fragility or stability of this new approach is go- about to be tested. So, uh, two games in Phoenix, how many of them do you think they win? Mm, I think the optimism he wants to say one. I'll go one. I'll go one. I think they win the... I'm going to go with them to win the first one. No, I'm going to go with them to win the second one. That one Lillard maybe comes back for that one. I'll go with them winning the second one. Uh, I'm not sure about that first one. I don't think that one's going to go too well. But <laughs> I'll go with that. And they've also got the Heat and the Hornets before we meet again, you and I. Uh, Monday uh, at Miami and then Wednesday in Charlotte. Uh, which of those do you think they win? I'm going to go with... I don't feel excited about them getting that Miami game. I think that just Miami is a team that can kind of force them to do different things they don't want to do. Um, so I'm going to go with Miami. I'm going to go to Lost there. And then the Hornets, I'm going to go with them and winning that game because LaMelo Ball might not be back to 100%. And then we'll go... Uh, We'll go win. We'll go a loss over the loss to the Pelicans and a win against the Mavericks. Three okay, and three. The Hornets and okay, lost of it. Okay, that's stretching beyond yeah, our podcast, fine. but yeah, that's fine. So you're basically saying they're going to 500 this road trip. I'm going to go with that three and three or two and four, something like that. Probably not higher, probably not lower than that though. Okay, so no one in five disaster. I, I think a one in five disaster is a possibility. But, you know, these Blazers have also done four and two. They don't do anything halfway, right? <laughs> They're going to like... So, I mean, like, you could say... Well, let's see. If you're going to say four and two, awful hard to win two against the Suns. That's got to be a split, at least, right? Or at best. So, that's one and one. Then they would have to three and one the Heat, Hornets, Pelicans, and Mavericks. The Pelicans and Mavericks are... Or sorry, the Hornets and Mavericks are vulnerable. So the difference may be what they do against the Heat and the Pelicans. Like if they could get on a roll, I don't think it's impossible they could go four and two. I don't think it's impossible they could go one and five if the roll goes the other way, though. <laughs> so uh let's yeah, let's chalk up the split against the Suns. Let's, you know, say Pelicans and Maverick or I'm sorry, Hornets and Mavericks are always winnable. Then, so the key games here, the difference makers may be what happens in Miami and what happens versus New Orleans. Anything else on your mind this week? Um, not, not too much, not too much. I've just been, been enjoying the games as of late. Uh, a lot of fun things happening this time of year for the Blazers. So just hoping we can get to next week with the, with the winning record still. You know, we could be five and five or we could be five and two or we could be a, whatever it is, but we can get into it with the winning record. I think it would be a nice fun podcast. <laughs> if the enthusiasm is still going through Thanksgiving, we will count ourselves lucky. And we're lucky to have you here with us. Uh, we will be back again next week for Marlo Ferguson Jr. I'm Dave Deckard. Uh, have fun, and let's hope this road trip starts rosy. <laughs> <laughs>